Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radel, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Brent Palm, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's happening in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the mass shooting on the Michigan State University campus hit close to home for some. The DNR's Eagle program is celebrating 10 years. The tax season is in full swing. But first, political activity in Minnesota continued in high gear this week with significant developments on both the state and national levels. Eminence Bill Werner joins us with a recap. Tasha, among this week's noteworthy items, Democrats continued pushing forward with their signature agenda. After lengthy debate ending just before midnight on Thursday, the House passed a bill to provide earned sick and safe time to all Minnesota workers, which GOP lawmakers warn will force many small businesses to close their doors. Crookston Republican Deborah Keel points to a restaurant owner in her district who she says is hanging by a thread and would likely go out of business. She is the person who says, I haven't seen Joe lately. Do you know where Joe is? Someone will walk in and say, oh, he's been sick. Oh, can you run the special over to him today? St. Paul Democrat Samakab Hussein calls the bill a matter of humanity, saying he did not have the privilege to stay home when his mother was dying. And I could not do it because I was struggling to work and taking care of nighttime of my mom. I was afraid to call sick because I could get fired. Austin Republican Patricia Mueller says backers of sick and safe time warn that 40% of Minnesota workers will be hurt unless it becomes law. However, I want you to imagine what Minnesota would be like if all of a sudden 40% of them just didn't have jobs anymore. Duluth Democrat Liz Olson, the bill's sponsor, responded, Employers in our region who offer this benefit report the average cost of providing paid sick time to employees was only three quarters of one percent of total labor costs. Opponents warn even that could be the end of businesses operating on tight margins. Under the bill, employees would earn one hour of sick and safe time for every 30 hours worked, up to at least 48 hours per year. A companion bill moving forward in the Democrat-controlled Minnesota Senate. And developments this week related to Democrats' push to restore the voting rights of convicted felons after they are no longer incarcerated. The state Supreme Court ruled current Minnesota law, which bars convicted felons from voting, does not violate the Minnesota Constitution. But the high court also indicated the legislature has the option to change that. And it is possible the Minnesota Senate, as soon as next week, could pass and send to the governor a bill the House approved in early February, which would restore voting rights for felons who have served their jail or prison time. They are our neighbors, our friends. They have jobs. They help take care of their families. They pay taxes. But in our representative government, they are deprived of the foundational right to vote. Bill sponsor New Hope Democrat Cedric Frazier, but Cambridge Republican Brian Johnson told Democrats, You want to give them their rights back before they finish their debt to society. Republicans say felons' voting rights should not be restored until they have finished probation and paid all fines, fees, and court-ordered restitution. Also this week, Radical gender ideology 
has seeped into our classrooms. Former Vice President Mike Pence telling supporters at a downtown Minneapolis club Wednesday morning. Then he headlined an afternoon rally in Iowa against the transgender policy of a school district in the Cedar Rapids area. Pence made the trip the same day that federal judges in St. Paul heard oral arguments in a lawsuit against that Iowa school district's policy. Pence said, You do not craft a gender transition plan for my child without my knowledge or consent. I believe the American people believe that. We owe our children and our grandchildren an America where parents guide the choices of our children at home and at school. An attorney for the Lindmar School District in Iowa said that policy gives older students more authority in creating gender support plans, but their parents can still access any of their educational records. Former Vice President Pence warned any student of any age could choose which bathroom or locker room to use and which gender to share a room with on overnight trips for school. A young girl, for example, who objects to being forced to shower, change clothes, or use the restroom with boys could face suspension or even expulsion from school under the Lindmar Community School Policy. And as the Democrat-controlled Minnesota legislature moves toward banning so-called conversion therapy, in the Iowa House this week, a bill cleared a key committee that would prohibit instruction on gender identity and sexual orientation in kindergarten through grade 3. On a related note, a bill being considered in the Minnesota House would prevent out-of-state laws from interfering in the practice of gender-affirming health care. Representative Lee Finke from St. Paul says gender-diverse people are fleeing their home states. HF 146 would make Minnesota into a trans-refuge state by protecting trans people, their families, and medical practitioners from the legal repercussions of traveling to Minnesota to receive gender-affirming care. But Renee Carlson with True North Legal told lawmakers that bill undermines the jurisdiction of courts all across the country. Impacting parents nationwide because an unfit parent in a state court outside of Minnesota can still bring that child to Minnesota to get a life-altering medical treatment. Also this week, committees of nurses, other frontline staff, and management would set safe staffing levels on a unit-by-unit basis at Minnesota hospitals under a bill that influential Democrats pledged to move through through the Minnesota legislature. Abbott Northwestern RN Rebecca Nelson says, We want to provide outstanding care to our patients, but we are pressed to do more and more with less and less. Backers say the committees would set a maximum limit on the number of patients that any one nurse should care for. Officials at the Minnesota Hospital Association say that bill strips away flexibility of on-the-ground leaders of patient care teams to make real-time decisions, instead transferring that authority to bureaucratic committees. Democratic Senator Aaron Murphy from St. Paul disagrees, pointing to a hearing when nurses brought stacks of concern for safe staffing forms to the Capitol. Expressing in a quantitative way the concerns and the worries and the fear and the outcomes of short staffing in our hospitals. And Murphy said Anoka Republican Senator Jim Abler being at this week's unveiling of that bill sends an important signal to lawmakers. More importantly, it sends an important signal to Minnesotans that this is a serious issue. It has garnered the support of both Democrats and Republicans, and it's time for us to move it in the Senate. Abler is a moderate Republican, and how much pull he would have with conservative Republicans remains to be seen. 
Democrats could pass that bill without Republicans' help, but they have only a one-vote majority in the Minnesota Senate, meaning a yes vote would be necessary from every one of their members. Democrats have a bit more breathing room in the Minnesota House. Tasha? Thanks, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover key tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters, I'm Tasha Radel. This past week's mass shooting on the Michigan State University campus hit close to home for some at the University of Minnesota, which is a fellow Big Ten institution. The Golden Gopher men's basketball team was supposed to travel to East Lansing for a game this past Wednesday night. The game was understandably postponed and the Gopher team stayed in Minneapolis. Earlier this week, MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke to Gopher basketball coach Ben Johnson, courtesy of Learfield, about the situation and what the coach told his team about it. Yeah, you definitely talk about it. Um, you know, I've, I've come to the realization that if, if you're not talking to it or whatever situation is to them, somebody is. So it might as well be us, right? Um, so we talk about it. You know, they're going to see the, the images and the videos that is circulating on social media. And again, you know, you want to make sure first and foremost that they're okay, that, um, you know, nothing that they saw or, or witnessed or felt, um, you know, has impacted them. Hopefully not, um, you know, put them at ease that, you know, hopefully that's an isolated incident and that, you know, our campus is safe. But it's just the, real, the realization that in today's day and age, literally, um, you know, you can't take any second for granted and you gotta, you gotta live, live it to the fullest. You can't live, um, you know, paranoid, just have an understanding that, you know, we are as a world, I think going through tough times and, um, you know, to really, I think now more than ever, um, you know, have a big heart, have empathy for people. You know, there's a lot of people going through a lot of things and, um, Again, unfortunately, this is another talk that you have to have with your team, but that is the kind of the, the new reality of it. And so I think it is, it's, it's good to get it out in the open, make sure guys are okay to check in with them and um, get an understanding for the moment and the, and the times that we're in. It's just uh, uh, certainly a tragedy. We have our thoughts and prayers certainly with the uh, Michigan State and uh, East Lansing community coach. You know, when we all got word of what took place that was the first thought was you know you don't think about the game and you don't think about you know the travel or next day's practice um you know your thoughts and prayers go to go to that community and you know every person's affected whether they were directly or indirectly um just being on that campus and and having to you know feel today and um you know it's just 
it's 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 uh it's a period when you know you truly get perspective about um being appreciative for what you have and understanding that in any given second moment that you know stuff can be taken away really quickly so yeah in some in some regard there's obviously this is a high level tragedy and then sometimes what we all deal with you're worried whether your forward's going to be able to play in a game or um, how much were symptoms of COVID or what have you. This kind of does put some things in perspective that, okay, all right, well, Dawson Garcia might be back sometime soon, but in the grand scheme of things, whenever he gets back, he gets back. This is, you know, there's 50,000 students on that campus that are all wondering, you know, for a couple hours what their future might hold immediately. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it, it, it gets closer and closer to home a little bit, you know, and I think it's just the understanding that when all these continue to occur and they're all in different spots and different locations that it truly it, it's anytime, anywhere now, which is which is the scary part. And that's where, you know, you think back to, you know, each and every person, whether it's a teacher, a professor, a student, you know, a worker on that campus, um, you know, the, the days before and the days after, just the thoughts that they have going through and, and their emotions, um, you know, you just want to make sure that they're handling it right and doing it okay. And then obviously, you know, Big Ten family, we, we all, um, you know, feel for, for one another. And we all understand that um, there's really no difference from it happening there or anywhere else in our league or anywhere else in the country. And just to, to again, take a step back and have the perspective, uh, be thankful, be appreciative, put everything else kind of in the back burner for uh, the time being and, and kind of focus on, um, you know, their community and, and be thankful for ours. You got to the, obviously just this senseless act happening on a college campus. When you think about your life, you basically have spent almost the last 30 years on a campus. I mean, it's really kind of an identity for you, right? Either as a player and an athlete, an assistant coach, a GA, all the way up now to being the head coach of a Big Ten institution. And when your identity kind of revolves around a campus, uh, it does kind of hit home when we see these happening on campuses now, too. Oh, it does. And, you know, especially in a large community. I mean, they're like us. You know, you got 50,000 plus students. You got, again, teachers, workers. Um, you got class in session. Um, that, that's the part that, you know, I kind of think is, is scary. And then I can't imagine, you know, being a parent, um, being a coach, not knowing where your players and are at, if they had night class, if they're okay. I mean, just all the ramifications of something like that, um, you know, when you really take time to think about um, you know, it's, it's truly sad. You did have a conversation with Tom Izzo last night. I did. And how, if you can, do you want to share any of it or yeah, no, uh, obviously, you know, it's been stated. I mean, I got a great relationship with him. Yep. Um, you know, we talk pretty regularly and it's just more of just reaching out. You know, I know he's so invested in that community and I think that's the, the hardest thing for him is, you know, he almost feels like that's somebody going in your backyard. I mean, he's, he is Michigan State. He is that campus. Uh, he takes so much pride in it. And so just wanted to check in with him to, you know, make sure I, you know, he knew that I knew that we were thinking about him and, you know, wishing them nothing uh, but the best and, you know, understand that, you know, everybody hurts when it's not just them. Um, and, you know, it was a quick quick conversation, quick talk, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk here in the next couple of days. But, uh, you know, again, everybody that, that's on a college campus especially a smaller one that's not in an urban area, you really do feel for them because there's people that have worked their entire lives there. And that part, and there's, again, you know, there's the students. Um, 
that's who you really just sit back and you're like, man, you know, you, you, it just, uh, there's really no, no words. And I can't imagine, you know, that what they're thinking and the conversations that they've had, they've had to have because you, you do, you feel almost violated uh, in a lot of ways. That's Gopher basketball coach Ben Johnson and MNN sports director Mike Grimm. Time for a quick break. More Minnesota Matters right after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radal. The Minnesota DNR's Eagle Cam program is celebrating its 10th anniversary in 2023. And there's been a lot of activity in the nest this week. Eminence Brent Palm sits down with a DNR wildlife official for an update. Joining me is Minnesota DNR non-game wildlife information officer, Lori Nauman. Thanks for joining us, Lori. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, a lot of excitement buzzing about the 2023 season of the Minnesota DNR's Eagle Cam. I guess first off, what's going on over there? Well, our female on the Eagle Cam nest laid an egg yesterday. Woohoo! First, first egg of 2023. Hopefully, I I say first, so that means that there will probably be more. We just have one egg so far, and this year is the tenth season of our Eagle Cam. We put the camera up um, on December 28th in 2012, and it has been live since. The first week in January of 2013, so it's our 10-year anniversary. We're really excited about that, and people are getting really excited. We have a new male at the nest. This is the fourth year for this particular female who's been here, and folks are really excited. We were hoping for an egg on Valentine's Day, but we'll we'll take it a day late. <laughs> hey, uh, for someone who maybe hasn't heard about the DNR's Eagle Cam. Quick description and remind me, where is it located? Well, I can't tell you that because we keep the location discreet to keep the birds <laughs> okay. and the equipment safe. But it is located close to the Twin City metro area in Minnesota that I have disclosed in the past. It is um, a gigantic nest that was discovered in 2003 by DNR staff. And it was located near one of our fish ponds that needed a little extra protection, needed some security cameras put around it. So there was already electricity there. And some folks had the idea that maybe we could put a camera there. So with the generous donations of the non-game program donors to the checkoff on their tax forms, we were able to purchase a camera and a microphone and install all of that and have it live on the web. And it was pretty significant for 2013. It was a big deal back then. And there weren't that many webcams and certainly not at, at Eagle Nests. So we feel pretty fortunate. We have a pretty big following. We have been visited by 186 countries around the world. And there are millions of different visits every year. Um, we can see how many people are watching um, at any one time and how many different devices visit the camera Wow! <laughs> to watch. So February 15th, we had the first egg of the season. Is this normal? Is this early? Is this late? Is this kind of what we we're expecting? It was what we we're expecting. So it sort of depends on the female when she's going to be laying her eggs. The previous female on this nest was earlier, which was not always beneficial for her. The first year we had the camera on, she laid her eggs before the 10th of January. All three of them came before the 10th of January. And 
they did not survive because the male and the female had left the nest for uh, about 20 minutes when it was well below zero sometime in late January and the eggs never hatched that first year. So later is better. Uh, We used to say that average laying time for bald eagles, egg laying time was March, but I would now venture to say that it's closer to February. But this female, yes, the last two, three, the last three years, she's laid her eggs in mid-February. So like between the 9th and the 20th of February. Okay. And you mentioned that we should be expecting some more eggs? Yes. So the average um, time between eggs is about 63 hours. So that means um, two to three days between first egg and second egg, and then there's generally a little bit longer of a lag period between the second egg and the third egg, if there will be a third egg. Last year, she only laid two, um, and that was fine. That That's good, too, as long as they can sort of replace their own um, themselves in the population, then that still means a positive for the overall population of bald eagles in this state. It's been 10 years. I'm guessing the technology has improved, and it sounds like there's new audio this season. You're right. This is the third different camera. The first two failed for for other reasons. They were um, just didn't work well for several reasons. And so this is the third camera, and we finally were able to get a microphone this year that works. And it wasn't necessarily, I don't think, the microphone itself. It was more the software and the camera and all of the IT things that I definitely don't explain or can't explain very well. <laughs> we have um, Minute, our Minnesota Information Technology staff here that helps with that. And, and this would not be possible without them. They're just, you know, awesome. And so they operate, you know, all of the behind the scenes things that make this what it is. And so now the audio is great. The audio sounds awesome, and you can hear just about everything. You can hear all the territorial battles that have been going on. Um, Another adult landed in the nest last week, and both of the parents were screeching and screaming, and it got pretty dramatic. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And rumor has it you can actually hear chicks peeping inside of the egg when it gets close to hatching time. So I'm really excited for that. There's infrared on this camera, so you can watch them at night. And occasionally, a raccoon tries to get up into the nest, and you will definitely hear screeching at that time. So, But I am going to be watching closely to grab video for the next egg when it happens, which would hopefully be tomorrow or the next day, maybe. Okay. What is the website so people can check this out? mndnr.gov forward slash eagle cam. Lori Nauman, we greatly appreciate update on the eagle cam and uh, looking forward to seeing some more eggs hatch. I am too. Thanks so much for having me today. That's MNN's Brent Palm visiting with DNR non-game wildlife officer Lori Nauman. More Minnesota Matters right after this. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car 
which, if you're buzzed, could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Tasha Radal. Many Minnesotans are in the process of finding a tax preparer as the April 18th tax deadline inches closer. Bao Vang with the Better Business Bureau of Minnesota encourages you to do your research before hiring someone who will have access to your personal information. Tax preparation season is here and most people get help to file our taxes either from computer software or professionals. BBB advises if you're looking for a professional, be extra cautious when choosing a tax preparer since that person or company will have access to your personally identifiable information. So number one, get referrals. Start by asking friends or family members for their recommendations. Then check reviews at BBB.org. Complaints details and customer reviews will tell you a lot about others' experiences. Number two, look for credentials. Anyone with a PTIN or Preparer Tax Identification Number can prepare your tax forms for you, but some tax preparers have more training and qualifications than others. So enrolled agents, certified public accountants, and attorneys have unlimited rights to represent your clients or their clients to the IRS in all matters. Other preparers can help you with forms and simple IRS matters but are limited otherwise. And they cannot help you if they did not prepare your form. So learn more about tax preparer credentials by going to the IRS website. Number three here is keep a watchful eye for promises. So be wary of any tax preparation service that promises larger refunds than their competition and avoid tax preparers who base their fee on a percentage of the refund. And that's what I was going to ask, uh, you know, what what should consumers be wary of? And, and like you said, um, when it comes to refunds and loans and those things. Exactly. There's also a thing called refund anticipation loans. This can be a hefty chunk of your refund in commission for the tax preparer. Refunds that are quickly processed, um, it, it, refunds nowadays are quickly processed. So instead of paying for an anticipation loan, so paying a little bit now for that loan to come in faster, it's just not a reliable way to uh, get that, that refund back sooner. So because refunds are processed so quickly, it's better just to wait for the real thing rather than to pay a premium to get it faster because it may not be true. All right. Well, lots of good information. Bob, was there anything else you wanted to add? We always say if you experience a scam or fall victim to a scam, let us know at bbb.org slash scam tracker. Free interactive tool to find out what kinds of activities are happening in your community, including tax preparation scams. 
Vang says to also ask about fees ahead of time. Before you agree to any services, read the contracts carefully and understand how much the tax preparer charges for their services. Ask about extra fees for e-filing state, federal, and local returns, as well as fees for any unexpected complications. And if things don't add up, find someone else. Thanks again to my guest, Bao Vang, with the Better Business Bureau of Minnesota. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Minnesota Matters. Be sure to join us again next week on this MNN affiliate station, same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Tasha Radal.